and every time that a customs officer at any given airport around the world sees my passport, as I say, I come from Mexico, there's always been the exact same reaction. A big smile between you and me, that's something that always makes me sigh and smile in relief as the whole transaction becomes instantly easier. To come from a nation that is one of the world's most desired holiday destinations for its beautiful beach resorts, natural reservoirs, architecture, delicious food and vibrant traditions, it's certainly a privilege I totally take full advantage of. But that is not to say that Mexico is also an intrinsically complex nation with its own social and political challenges, historical debts and crossroads ahead. But if there is one thing that has for centuries galvanized society, is the power that fiestas or celebrations have to bring us together in life-affirming acts through which we channel our hybrid heritage and find meaning in the melting pot that is our mestizo Mexican culture. You're listening to episode 50 of Paz de Chipotle. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food history writer, cook and author. And on this podcast, I explore the gastronomic traditions of Mexico and bring together the voices of cooks, authors and entrepreneurs who build cross-cultural bridges around the world championing Mexican food. To find more information about the podcast and my work, please go to pasdechipotle.com. You can subscribe, rate, and please leave a review for the show using your favorite podcast app. Jeffrey Bro here, listening from Athens, Greece. Past the Chipotle always leads me on the most fascinating journeys into the many aspects of Mexican cooking and culture. I wish you all Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Que Cala Cristuyena. This episode is special for all sorts of reasons. Not only is the last episode of 2019, it's also a huge milestone for me personally, for the show, and it's cause for celebration and for me to thank all of new and old listeners for being part of this great adventure that started 50 episodes ago and has been a long process of growth, discovery, enjoyment, making new connections, getting to know personally many of you and reaching all continents of the world. Today, I will explore the unique magic of the multi-layer traditions behind Mexico's Christmas celebrations. And of course, I will talk about the cultural history behind the music, the food and the particular rituals of the Christmas season. And without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Just like you've heard along the ongoing series of the culinary regions of Mexico, the country is hugely diverse and there are numerous ways of celebrating the Christmas season that officially starts on December 12th, when the Virgin of Guadalupe is celebrated. 
and ends on January the 6th, which is marked by Epiphany, or Dia de Reyes, as it is called in Mexico. This fiesta-loaded period is a very tongue-in-cheek called the Guadalupe Reyes Marathon, and there is an official total of 14 days of big celebrations, including the Guadalupe pilgrimage, the celebration of nine days of pre-Christmas fiestas, I will explain later, Christmas Eve, which is when Mexicans actually celebrate Christmas, Christmas Day, which is when we gorge on leftovers and nurse our hangovers, and of course, New Year's Eve and Epiphany. But guess what? Hundreds of years ago, before the Christian world ever reached this continent, the date is associated with the forces of nature ruled over the rites and events in the indigenous calendar. So before we jump into today's Christmas, let's go back in time and explore the evolution of the fascinating Christmas season that shaped our modern-day fiestas. Come with me. Prior to the incursion of Europeans into the New World, in Mesoamerica, which is today's Central and South Mexico, the Mexica tribe had created one of the largest and most powerful empires of the ancient world, ruling over almost 67 different tribes with a fierce military control, imposing their religious calendar and language, which was called Nahuatl. Because the Mexica or Aztec empire had a militarized structure, their ruling deities were invariably linked to war and their worship rituals were, very often, a representation of the forces of nature, fighting against each other. They believed that humans had the power to alter the universal order by playing the gods against each other, or even by challenging their power and authority. The imperial or Aztec calendar was a very sophisticated work of astronomical calculation, in which each Xiopowali, or agricultural year, had 365 days, and a religious cycle called Tonalpolwali had 260 days. Together, they formed a 52-year-old period. One of the most important celebrations in both the Xiopowali and Tonalpowali cycles was the Pankeltzalzi, that took place during the 15th month of the Aztec calendar, which is the equivalent of December in our Georgian calendar, which is the one mostly used around the world. The Panketzalzi were a series of celebrations in honor of the mighty Huitzilopochtli, one of the ruling Aztec gods who embodied the sun and war itself. The name Huitzilopochtli means blue hummingbird on the left, because the main festivals to worship him were depicted in their calendar right before or left to the winter equinox. 
In the Mexica tradition, warriors were believed to reincarnate as hummingbirds after dying in battle. So the fierce god Huitzilopochtli was often represented as a beautiful hummingbird covered with bright feathers bearing an armor. <laughs> I know that to our modern eyes that sounds crazy cute, but apparently back then it inspired fear. This is when the story of Huitzilopochtli's origin becomes interesting. And maybe you will see certain similarities with the story of the origin of Jesus. So legend has it that Coatlicue, mother of 400 warriors, became pregnant when a mysterious ball of flaming hummingbird feathers came from the heavens and touched her. One of these 400 mighty warriors was Coyol Shauki, a beautiful but ruthless woman who commanded her siblings to kill their own mother for having fallen pregnant under such suspicious circumstances. And without making the story too long, because after all, this is a Christmas episode, the moment Huitzilopochtli was born transformed into a full-grown warrior god, ready to kill all of his 400 siblings, beginning with Koyol Shauki. Huitzilopochtli beheaded his sister and threw her head to the skies, where she became the moon, and the bodies of the all 400 siblings were also thrown to the heavens and became the stars. Eventually, Huitzilopochtli himself decided to stay in the heavens, and he became the sun. And for the rest of eternity, him and Koyul Shauki fought each and every day. So, basically, in the very crowded Aztec pantheon, Huitzilopochtli ruled high above all the deities and all forces of nature. Therefore, making sure that he was rightfully honored, respected, and had plenty of sacrifices made in his honor was pretty essential. Which is why the rites of the Panquetzalzi were very lengthy, because they were all dedicated to him. They were complex and full of symbolic acts, and often included human sacrifices. And by the way, as recorded by the imperial writers, each and every one of these people, who were often captured warriors, considered meeting such end as actually a desired and honorable death. The climax of the ceremonies of the Panquetzalzi were when the priest presented to the crowds a heart made with corn dough and agave syrup and hold a holy communion with the rest of the population. Fast forward to the end of the 16th century, when the Spanish colony was in full steam operation and the conversion of the indigenous population into Catholicism was quite a priority for the viceregal regime. After all, Rome was the largest financier of Spain's colonial expansion. But there were several barriers in the way to achieve this, and one of them was the fact that neither the indigenous people spoke Castilian and nor the Spanish spoke any of the 12 linguistic families or their dialects and the vernacular writing system in pre-Columbian Mexico among the indigenous world consisted mainly in pictograms, not alphabets. Here is when friars had to become very resourceful and they started using alternative didactic methods such as reenactments, rhyming chants, dances 
and also relying on descriptive religious paintings as teaching tools. And something unprecedented happened. There was a deliberate effort to incorporate certain religious rites and practices with a Christian makeover to, say, facilitate the adoption of the new religion. Christmas became a particularly difficult challenge for missioners as these festivities overlapped with the traditional Panketsalzi, which, as I told you, was just as important in the indigenous world as Christmas. So there was a lot of thought and work behind it to make Christmas as appealing and engaging as the Panketsalzi. In a stroke of genius, missioners opted for a more organic syncretism or combination of practices. A well-documented example of this effort is when Friar Pedro de Gante allowed the introduction of chants, dances and prayers, both in Castilian and indigenous languages, along with music and the use of traditional instruments. Now, this strategy proved to be highly successful and it rapidly gave way to a very particular hybrid form of Christianity that, unlike anywhere else in the world, had found a place to accommodate, quote-unquote, indigenous pagan expressions. I want to make here a little pause to play a Christmas song for you, one from the colonial songbook. This piece is called A la Chacara Chacarilla, composed by the Spanish musician Juan Gutiérrez de Padilla, who sailed from Spain and settled in the prosperous city of Puebla, where he wrote this piece in 1653. <laughs> We will return with the show after this break. Much of the cultural history that I've included in today's episode is extracted from my ebook Mexican Fiestas, where I cover many of the nation's grand celebrations, including Christmas, of course, and many unmissable seasonal recipes like cheese stuffed sweet chipotles, fruit punch, buñuelos, and I even included a tutorial to make your own traditional star-shaped piñata. And I invite you to continue your journey discovering the amazing history behind the delicious Mexican gastronomy traditions with my ebooks Mexican Market Food, Mexican Fiestas, Mexican Street Food, Mexican Chocolate, 
and Puebla's great food tour, with dozens of stories, recipes, and vibrant photography. To know more about my books and start the making of your own family traditions, go to pasdechipotle.com forward slash publications. You can find a link on this episode's notes. Go to pasdechipotle.com forward slash publications and get ready to cook, learn and enjoy Mexican food like you never imagined. Centuries-old tradition in Mexico is the reenactment of the shepherds' pilgrimage to Bethlehem and how they had to fight against temptation and sin to finally be able to kneel before the Holy Family. Technically, this is known as evangelical theater, in which allegories and passages of the Bible related to Christmas are accompanied by music, dances, and often funny songs. Another example of colonial ingenuity. And to this day, we know this place as Pastorelas. <laughs> Following the same aspect of community gatherings, from December 16th onwards, for nine days straight, every single evening there is a posada, in which Christmas-related songs and other reenactments take place. And the most anticipated moment at every posada party is of course the breaking of a star-shaped piñata, which takes place at the end of the evening, and each guest has a chance at trying to break it until finally a cascade of sweets and fruits falls to the floor and kids and adults alike flock to grab their bounty. And I want to play here for you a little fragment of one of the songs that are traditionally interpreted during posadas. The colonial period for New Spain, later known as Mexico, was undoubtedly marked by a vibrant cultural exchange with the world. And modern-day traditions indeed borrowed elements from other celebrations from faraway lands. And a wonderful example of these are Mexican piñatas. This is one of my favorite serendipitous traditions. So let me tell you more about them. Cultural historians have identified that Marco Polo might have been responsible for introducing a similar concept to modern-day piñatas into the Western world. Marco Polo mentions a very curious Chinese tradition in which clay figurines in the shape of oxen and cows were filled with seeds as part of the harvest festivals during the Ming dynasty. 
and festive tissue paper lanterns were lit as part of these rituals. And perhaps these anecdotes inspired the creation of similar objects during certain festivals across several European countries, including Spain, during the 16th century. So it is no surprise then that Catholic missionaries took inspiration in these to create a religious metaphor. You see, traditional seven-point star piñatas represent each and every one of the seven capital scenes. The clay pots are the structure of the piñatas, and they're normally filled with fruit, sweets, and treats, representing the heavenly rewards that are gifted after defeating sinful temptations. So to this day, traditional Mexican piñatas have either seven or five points. But over time, and particularly in the 20th century, craft piñata makers came up with innovative creations of papier-mâché fantasy piñatas, mostly in the shape of cartoon characters. And here is a fun fact. Perhaps some of you haven't realized that donkey-shaped piñatas are actually a Tex-Mex creation, and they have never been a thing in Mexico. When in fact many Mexicans react with surprise and amusement when Americans describe these piñatas as Mexican. And I want to play a fragment of the song that we chant when we play piñata. On December 24th, Mexicans host or join gatherings that usually start in the late evening. Lucky pots are a big tradition, and depending on which region of the country you find yourself, you can find delicious homemade dishes like romeritos with shrimp in mole, baked gammon, ayocote beans, bacalao a la vizcaína, which is a very rich cod stew, pozole, misiote, tamales, roasted turkey, other types of mole, spiked fruit punch, chocolate roulade, also known as brazo gitano, Christmas beetroot salad, polvoron biscuits, apple and cream salad, and many, many other delicious dishes. And at the end of this huge dinner, an abundant supply of chilled apple cider is served to toast exactly at midnight, when an endless carousel of hogs takes place and people get ready to clear the space and dance to continue partying to the early hours of the day. As you can see, these celebrations helped heal and redefine Mexico's cultural identity. The symbolic essence of Mexico's celebrations is unique in the way it serves these very specific social and even religious purposes, from the intimate and spiritual rites to the joyous experiences such as Christmas and Epiphany. I want to thank you for another year together with this podcast, following the exciting stories, celebrations and culinary traditions.
Thank you for listening. This episode, as ever, was written and produced by me, Rocío Carvajal. To find the links that I mentioned today, please check this episode's notes on your podcast app. On the special blog post of episode 50 on com, you will find the titles and credits plus links to all the music that I've played today. If you love this show, and I know you do, I hope you will also enjoy and embrace my new podcast, Hungry Books, in which I review amazing books on the subject of food. And the link, of course, is also on this episode's notes. Show your love and support for the show by recommending my work to a friend, by subscribing, writing a review, and rating my podcasts to keep this community growing. Donations are of course always welcomed via buymeacoffee.com and you can find the link by scrolling down below. My door is always open for you, so you can reach out to me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or send me an email to hello at pasachipotle.com. And now I have added a new feature in which you can also send me a voice message. I want to wish you all many happy encounters, soulful occasions to share the joy of being alive. Thank you for being part of this show that is produced with much love and passion for you. Feliz Navidad and a very happy new year. <laughs> <laughs>